0: You're listening to Nuts and Bolts, a podcast about gear and music. With some of your favorite artists, I will dive into the practicalities of how they make their work. Twisting those knobs and pushing those buttons.
1: I record growling, and then I send it to distortion, like this. Because I think that is very pretty. (laughs) The sound is perhaps not the best, but I can demonstrate this
2: software.
1: This uh, baby on stage, I get a lot of questions. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
0: Composer Maya Ratsche has had her works performed by numerous soloists, ensembles, choirs and orchestras, and her own work as a performer, whether solo or with groups like Female and Spunk, as well as her involvement in the birth of the All Ears Festival in Oslo, has gained her additional notoriety. Maya has also written texts on music and composition for amongst others John Zorn's Arcana Volume 2 and Amir Moharabi's Journal Farimani. For our last episode of this season of Nuts and Bolts, I'm stoked to meet this brilliant artist.
1: MIDI controllers, that's the core of my gear at the moment when I play solo concerts. And it's breaking down all the time. When you tour with these things, so you have to put them in your uh, checked-in luggage because it's so big. And Look at this, for example, here. <laughs> the off-and-on switch is broken, but the rest is working, so I'm still <laughs> using it. But then I need to bring this small key in order to switch it on and off. It's quite scary
0: to be so uh, depending on trashy gear. That's an old MIDI controller and keyboard by Novation. Novation makes different kinds of MIDI controllers, synths and beat makers. Yes, the software I'm using is programmed for exactly this keyboard here. I've been so
1: used to handling it. All the knobs and keys that you see here, they have an exact task. So I'm depending on it. And that is, (laughs) that's the love-hate relationship. And also out of production, of course, because it's old. So I found another one, uh, a used one, on the internet markets, I have two. That one is also broken, but it's broken in a different way, so. Also, as all my uh, solo concerts are uh, improvised, it's not essential that everything works all the time, because I tend to to change my setup for each concert. I just uh, make new settings, and I make new samples, and I start from scratch each time. Mm -hmm. But it is the gear that I choose to bring in a concert that defines the frame for what I'm gonna do that. Concert. It's important to use gear that uh, I can improvise with intuitively, so I don't need to think too much when I perform, because uh, as I improvise, I need to be able to decide really, really quick what to do. And also, I need to be able to handle many layers in the music at once, as I don't wish to make one-dimensional boring music.
0: Maya is building
1: up her life setup in her studio. This is the point where I'm most nervous before a concert, when switching the gear on. It's so many things that can go wrong. And that's also why I'm trying not to depend on the computer software. I also bring uh, a lot of analog gear when I play a solo concert because that doesn't fail. It's always reliable. So for example, I have some oscillators. It's like things you can buy online, custom-made things with knobs and faders, things that create sound. I'm also very fond of um, analog tapes. So that's a micro cassette tape. It's just me screaming into the tape and it generates a very beautiful distorted sound.
0: Maria V Horn talked about tape distortion two episodes ago, which you now hear on Maya's mini cassette recording as well. In short, tape works with magnetism. Sound is stored on a magnetic tape and played off by a tape head. The tape has a saturation threshold, which is its maximum magnetic potential. When the input signal hits that threshold, the tape cannot be polarized any further. And as a result, the signal gets compressed and distorted. It's sort of trapped in there. And that has a very distinct sound. You can
1: also change the speed when you play back from this thing.
2: Go on! Tell me about Miss Screw. Well you boy. Of the north.
1: I'm reading a sound. The poetry piece that I recorded for my first album. And sometimes I can bring that in uh, in a solo set as well. It's quite random where in the sound file it is when I push play. (laughs) So that gives me something to play with. As where most of my digital gear is not so random, I'm supposed to be able to control everything perfectly. But it's good to have something that speaks back when you play solo because sometimes you feel like you get stuck in your own aesthetics. I released a digital CD once which is called tape, which is just recording from one of the tapes that I've been using in a small dictaphone tape. It's like this cut and copy piece. But that's just due to the many overdubs and recordings that I've done and then played back from over the course of many years of concerts, where I record something during the concert and then I play it back in the next concert. And there's all these funny little snippets of things being recorded on it, like field recordings or something that I just record on the way when I'm sitting in an airplane being bored or whenever. (laughs) A <laughs> like a patchwork but not so tidy yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't predict any pattern with it <laughs> you can also find it used a lot in the first solo record that i made which is called voice i notice a pattern here of working with chance It mm-hmm. chance uh, versus control as i am a control freak by nature it's very good for me to Improvise with the other musicians because they give me that chance <laughs> that you uh, don't know what they're going to do. And then um, that challenges your own view on things and also my own aesthetics that I have to adjust to that. If I play solo, then I don't have that coming from someone else, so I need to generate that myself to get the same situation. So the cassette tape is perhaps a good accompaniment there.
0: We get back to Maya's analog toys. Let me
1: see. They're different oscillators, I collect them actually. I bought them in flea markets, technical flea markets. Yeah, here's another one. It's a big Russian one I found in the market in Riga. It just does the sine wave. Here is the first drone commander that I ordered. They're built by a guy in Texas, so it's possible to find them online. There's also many people who have this, very pretty. It's the grand little drone commander. It's built into an ammo box. How cool is that? I put this uh, baby on stage, I get a lot of questions. <laughs>
0: The drone commander was made by Eric Archer of Rare Waves in Austin, Texas. Whereas this project has been discontinued, they're still making similar ones. Works like this.
1: keyboard amplifier that I bought for my first synthesizer when I was 14 so it's not the same sound as I have when I use this on stage I usually ask for a bass amp a big amp peg or something similar with this thing I can make droney bassy stuff also beats and pulses with a voice I can also make things in the low end as you see with electronics but it's nice to have more meat (laughs) in the bottom part of the register
0: An oscillator is a repeating waveform with a fundamental frequency and peak amplitude, and it forms the basis of most popular synthesis techniques today.
1: It's LFO and a pulse that create the beats that you hear. But the sound also creates beats if you have two frequencies that are really
0: close to each other. An LFO, or a low frequency oscillation, is an electronic frequency which is usually below 20 hertz. Very, very low. It creates a rhythmic pulse or sweep, which is used, for example, as an effect in synthesizers. Interference, however, is when two pitches, for example, when they're almost at the same frequency, but not quite, start to interfere with each other's vibration, which creates a pulsating effect.
1: I just love to have this very much a live instrument along with a, with a digital gear. I'm not an analog freak, neither am I a digital freak. And the mix of uh, resolution I have in the different kind of gear I use is like, extreme. Like from really, really crappy microphones to high-end microphones and high-end technical gear and then like some really, really lo-fi stuff next to each other. This um, wish to have uh, many layers in music uh, with different extremes and and contrasting elements that drives me to to select these very different things. I want to make an orchestra even though I'm just one person. (laughs) So the reason I don't um, rig up my solos at Guerin Studio is, is because uh, when I'm working here in studio, I produce music and I mix music. And I also compose. I compose scores for orchestras or for film and other media. So that's another way of uh, thinking music. That is not the same as a live situation. And the gear that um, I play with when I play solo, it's not the same gear that I use when I make music in studio. So I have what you call innovation, many legs to stand on. <laughs> I do so many different things. But technology is uh, something I'm involved in, in all the ways of making music. Also when writing scores, I'm using notation software and playback devices to check that I'm writing the right pitches. And for mixing, I'm using Pro Tools. I also mix in 5.1 in surround, which is uh, nice when you want to make music for uh, films or installation. And I work with many channels also, and I can also rent in smaller speakers. But mainly I produce electronic music in stereo, so I mix and even master uh, my own records. And also sometimes I also do that for uh, other people.
0: Pro Tools is the DAW used in most professional recording studios. Although, as previous episodes have shown, many different DAWs circulate amongst the general musician population. Maya continues plugging in her gear, and I noticed that she's using an RME fireface to connect her vocals to her computer. These are very compact and sturdy interfaces.
1: This sound card is RME. I've had the of So there's a couple of more over there. You actually have uh, eight inputs. You have four balance inputs here on the back side and then you have two uh, microphone cable inputs. But that one is uh, very stable. It's also um, nice to know that it's possible to fix it if it breaks down because the company who makes them they are very proud of this machinery and how stable it is. So if you are unlucky and something is broken you can actually have it fixed and shipped back. I hate throwing things. (laughs) I'm a collector also. I even collect cables that don't work anymore. How silly is that? <laughs> it's like I think, uh, well, maybe one time I have a time to fix them and they just stay in the drawer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also like to make contact microphones and then I need some extra cables so I can use, for example, half of a cable that doesn't work. <laughs> Here is a contact microphone on this thing. I'm using this as a trigger into the sound card, which goes into the gear. I can also use it as an instrument, but now I'm using it as a trigger. It's a speaker that you find in postcards that makes out... And you just turn the speaker the other way around.
0: We'll get back to that speaker turning into a microphone phenomenon later. But a contact or piezo microphone, as they're also called, is a microphone that receives and derives its audio signal from mechanical vibration, meaning vibrations moving through objects instead of through air. They tend to look like a round plaster on the end of a cable.
1: Uh, I ordered them. I got uh, a lot of them through a friend of mine who also makes these kind of things. Mm-hmm. There's many people who make these things. And then you attach them to a cable <laughs> with one part here, and the inner core goes to the center. So then that creates a microphone, and when that is in contact with the surface, like all these things will be amplified. Now this looks really messy because it's old and it's broken and all that, but you see how it's done. I learned soldering when I built a theremin. It was already in 95 or 96 when I was a student and me and my friend we decided to build a taramin out from a kit that we ordered online and then I had to learn uh, soldering. It was very nice and very fun to play with. But afterwards, I ordered another German from Moog, which is working much better, <laughs> I didn't use my own. But I learned how to solder. Yeah. I think everyone needs to have a soldering iron. It's very useful. It's like having guffo tape. You use that for everything and anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are some things that you just need to have. <laughs> yeah. Also, when you have to fix your own cables, if they break down, it's very
0: easy to do that. So you don't need to buy new ones. So much of our musical gear is mechanical. Pedals, cables, synthesizers, modules, microphones, etc. Inside of these, there are cables and other components, perhaps a circuit board, and they are connected to each other by soldering. Think of it like old-school routing. Instead of clicking and selecting some stuff in your DAW, you solder a cable onto the one component and the other side of the cable onto another component, and voila, they are connected and working together
1: In the beginning, uh, I had much more response from people who are not used to seeing women handling all the gear on stage live, like asking uh, many strange questions and uh, also doing sound checks where you had the tech guys uh, running up uh, to you and wanting to help because they assume that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but that's getting so much uh, better. I think it also helps to get older mm-hmm. and you get more uh, respect and people know who you are before you come, for example, and that helps a lot. It's also been a lot of situations where I've done the opposite when I don't agree on the house sounds. I go down and do things on the house mixer and uh, that is not always very popular. But that is also very necessary sometimes. I find that it helps to say something technical when I'm rigging up. If I suspect that tech guys at the venue don't think I know what I'm doing, if I just say something about frequencies or uh, using some mixing terms, then uh, I get them on my side and then we can work much better together. Then They get less nervous as well because it takes a long time to rig and they don't know what they're getting until I send them a stereo signal out. I also ask for a bass amp when I'm performing because I like to plug some of the analog gear into bass amp to have a more nice and analog distorted sound from that. And the tech guys also very often ask for the guitar, where is the guitar? (laughs) No, I don't have any guitar. And they continue asking about that for a long time. Like, but what are you going to do in the amp now? You'll see, just wait and see, I'll show you. So when they hear this boring oscillator in the end, it's like, (laughs) ah. so that's what you're gonna do with the amp, okay? And I must say like in 90% of the times, it's a very nice experience and I get uh, good friends with the tech people at the venues. I don't travel with my own sound technician because uh, my output is very simple. It's uh, stereo or quadrophonic out from the sound card or from the mixer, and then one line for the amp, and that is all. And uh, I'm doing all the EQ from, uh, from my side, so I don't really need to have a sound person with me on tour. That would be also very expensive. So uh, I'm really, really depending on communicating with, uh, with the local technicians when I play.
0: We get back to Maya's setup, looking at the software she's using.
1: Reaper is a mixing program, but I'm using it to control different parts and programs and apps, plugins, simultaneously. So I'm using the mixer in Reaper to uh, do many things. Like I can stare the signal from the voice here now. I can root that to a program which I control with innovation or a program that I run with this thing. Mainly two programs that I use here that uh, are both custom-made by a friend of mine in Trondheim, Eivin Bransag. We, one is called Hadron, and one is called Sampler, so, so we don't have a name for it. It's a looper that I started working with, uh, like 15 years ago where I'm sampling my voice, but it's not as simple as in a loop station. It's, it's very many more possibilities to, to have something played back, which is not only repeating something in a in a metric pattern. And the Hadron is um, similar, similar to granular processes, where you take parts of the sound and you repeat it and make tails of the sound, so focusing on different parts of the sound and mixing between sound fragments, for example.
0: Besides the Novation MIDI keyboard, she also uses a Control Freak MIDI mixer, a very simplistic piece of hardware, simply with faders on it, which move the volume faders in your software on the computer, in this case Reaper.
1: Yeah, because I'm not uh, touching the computer at all when I perform. I don't want to look like someone who is struggling behind that screen, because um, for me, like playing is a very physical thing. That's why I need the uh, MIDI controllers. I'm a keyboardist from before, and I like to play and create sound that correspond to the movement, and I can't do that on the computer. So you see the faders now on the screen they are moving because I'm moving
0: things here next maya demonstrates the sampler slash loop station plugin <laughs>
2: 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, <laughs> from such a minute, and to the tragedy from such a little tragedy from such a minute, and to
1: This is how it works. I can sample in uh, real time, and I use the keys to do that. So it's very intuitive. I can turn the samples f- backwards if I want in an easy operation. I can also put them after
2: each other Eins, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two. Eureun, 1, 2, 3, 4,
1: I can assign all the samples directly to an effect, for example here is a delay. 11. 12. 12. 11.
2: 12. So,
1: Uh, And I also have um, filters. I, I do this a lot, I record growling and then I send it to distortion, like this. Because I think that is very pretty. <laughs> and then I sing so on top of that, for example. The next program needs another microphone. And I lent out my other bookmark, but as I told you when you make contact microphones, it's actually speakers the other way. Which is the same with headphones You can use that as a mic too. It turns, so the input and output it switches the signal direction. Hello? Hello, hello. The sound is perhaps not the
0: best,
2: but I can demonstrate this software!
0: (laughs) So yeah, who knew I did not? Uh, You can make microphones out of headphones and vice versa. Basically the speaker cone can act like a giant microphone diaphragm. And the other way around, the microphone diaphragm can act like a tiny speaker cone. The rest you can find on YouTube. This is the Hadron.
1: So this is a sort of delay. There's four parameters I can control within each uh, preset. I also have a high-pass filter on this voice pitcher. Everything at the same time and it becomes (laughs) (laughs) multi-layered.
0: That's the Hadron, H-A-D-R-O-N, Particle Synthesizer VST, developed by Eivind Brandzeg, who works at the university in Oslo. I will share a tip about the Hadron on our Instagram, stay tuned. But next, Maya shows us the convolver.
1: This software is made for um, for people to affect each other's sound while playing live. So if you have two people using that live, you take the frequencies from both the sounds and make a new sound. I'm using this here, with a contact microphone in. So this sound now will be triggering the sound I just recorded with the voice. And I'm using the skin of my
2: finger here now
1: the sound becomes BOOM because it doesn't have that many high frequencies and then check what happens if I use the nail instead it's much more high frequencies when I'm using a high frequency sound to trigger the other sound I can make a cloud with many It's also the newest addition to the gear, so uh, it's also fun to use it when I play with other musicians and I take snippets from their sound and change it and add it onto my own sounds. It's quite blurry sometimes what is produced by who in -hmm. a concert.
0: It looks as if Reaper is especially suitable for this kind of usage. Looking at the VSTs featured in handy separate windows with nicely streamlined design.
1: I also see more and more people using Reaper for exactly this uh, purpose. I think it's because it's very quick and easy to use. Also, if you want to swap around with things and as you saw here in the routing, you can route anything to anything like really intuitively and quickly. And uh, quite reliable compared to many other things.
0: At this point, I cannot be surprised by anything anymore, so I asked Maya whether she knows how to write software.
1: I know a little bit about basics of programming. I took a course in that once, and it's good just to know what it is about, because then you have a better understanding of how programs in general work. But my level of programming is not at the level I require for the very complex and detailed uh, use that I need for playing solo. Uh, but I have worked closely with Ivan also when uh, creating the first VST plugin that we did. We didn't even use it as a VST plugin, we just ran it in C sound through a Terminal in the first editions. It's a program that is very much made for the needs that I have. Before that, I was using a lot of samplers, boss samplers. And I needed to have more than one and able to achieve the same kind of complexity that I wanted. (laughs) And it got more and more complicated. And and then I decided to contact uh, Eivind, who I knew were deep into this, to see if I could have everything just fit into one computer. How much easier that would be. But here again, you see, it's expanding as well, so I don't think the amount of gear is becoming less.
0: Thanks for listening to Nuts and Bolts. Thanks to our guest, composer and performer, Maya Ratsche. This episode was produced by yours truly, Jessica Slichter, and edited and mixed by Bridget Farrell and myself. Thanks to NUPA and Norsk Kulturfond for supporting this episode of Nuts and Bolts. Before hitting you with our third season of the Nuts and Bolts podcast, our series of video interviews and gear tutorials is coming your way in the fall Please support our video project on Patreon.com. Meanwhile, have a great summer.